the Advent season in Houston, Texas, where you can drive around at night and see the Christmas lights, and drive around during the day and see the fall colors, and then maybe go swimming. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this season, for the moments that we enter into today of anticipating what you have in store. Thank you for your promises of new creation, for the light of the world, and for the word that was from the beginning that we proclaim at this moment. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, about a week or so ago, Jen and I were sitting in our living room in the morning, just drinking coffee, and I looked around, and there was the Christmas tree, and the mantle with snowmen and LED lights, and all this stuff, and it occurred to me, this was our first Christmas together in our new house. It's like, well, we've had quite a few Christmases together by now, you know, 20-something for those who are counting, and yet, because it's a new place, it's like a, a first Christmas. And each time we come together on this first Sunday of Advent, it's like it's the first time all over again, because we are reminded of God's beginnings. John 1 begins the way that Genesis 1 began, in the beginning. Both Genesis and the Gospel of John use the same exact wording, in the beginning. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. He was with God in the beginning. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all humanity. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning. The first day, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Perhaps you picked up somewhere along the way that what we just did was to hear Genesis 1-1 and John 1-1 together, and then Genesis 1-2 and John 1-2. And perhaps somewhere along the way, you may not have been able to tell whether we were reading Genesis or John. That, by design, is the way that John wrote the beginning of the Gospel of John. To where, if you didn't know, 
if you didn't have it right in front of you, pulled up, you know, where you could see it yourself, you may not be able to tell, wait, is that Genesis or is that John? What the Gospel of John does with the original first day of all creation is to show us that in Jesus, everything in all of creation comes together, is fulfilled, and gives us life. Light and Word. You'll probably see a whole lot of Christmas lights over the next few weeks as you drive around, maybe even in your own home. Remember, as you do, that Jesus is the light of the world that shines in the darkness. Now, we know what light is. We see light with our eyes. And sometimes we can even see it with our hearts. We know it when we are in the presence of others who emit the light of the world that we know in Jesus. Have you ever been around someone who just felt like when you were with them, they just emitted the, the light of Jesus? It feels good to be around someone who you can think, and you, and you can't really describe it or put a fine point on it. It's just like, I'm with this person, and it feels like I'm with the light of the world. But what about this image that John gives us the beginning of the Gospel of John. It's light, but the way he puts it is, in the beginning was the Word. What are we supposed to grab onto with that? Well, it's as though John is telling us that in Jesus, the very embodiment of everything that God has ever created comes together in Jesus. It's as though John is telling us that Jesus is the very embodiment of the teaching from God throughout the ages. Everything God has ever tried to get through our thick skulls is right there, embodied, incarnate, in the walking, living, talking Jesus. If you've ever had questions in all of history, in all of creation about, does God love us? Does God actually care? Is God actually here? Does God have anything left to say to us? All of those questions are answered in Jesus. And that's the story that John tells us in the Gospel of John. Do you ever ask any of those questions in your own life? You know, we, we talk about God here, but does God actually care? God actually listening? Does God have anything left to say to us? That's what the Gospel of John does. Do you think that God may have been thinking about these kinds of things way back on the first day when God said, let there be light? I think so. Because I don't think God sees time the way that we see time. We as people who are situated in time, can't see it any other way, and that makes sense. We, as people who are going through time, anticipate what comes next. You do that, right? You, you may be in a place right here, right now, but you're already thinking about, what am I going to do this afternoon? What do I have to do tomorrow? Tomorrow. 
You do that, you're probably doing it right now, right? It's okay. That's who we are. We're, we're situated in time. We can't help but think about, well, I have this stuff that I've got to get done this afternoon, or I can't wait for this to happen, and that's okay. I think in some ways, even though Jesus tells us to be here, be present, each day has enough trouble of its own, I get that, but at the same time, dear Lord, you created us to be creatures of anticipation, to just wait for what comes next, to be excited about what comes next, and that's the beauty of the Advent season. That's the beauty of this season leading up to Christmas because we, we, we remember that what Jesus is is the embodiment of everything the people have been waiting for. And that hasn't changed. So come anticipate this season. Come anticipate this season of our future with God. What does that mean to us? Well, let's pray and let's explore for this season as a church, what our future is with God. And let's not think only in terms of ourselves. We could easily limit ourselves to talking about Bering's future, right? We'll just be thinking about, well, what does God have in store for us? But I think God has something bigger in mind, just as God had something bigger in mind from day one. What if instead we talk about we pray about and we think about and embody together as a church the anticipation of anticipating God's future. Need to hear that one again? The anticipation of anticipating God's future. Here's how it begins. It begins by us collectively, together, as a body, on this very day, saying, Dear Lord, we want to be a part of your future. And you know what God says in Scripture when people pray that? God always says yes. Always. It may not look like the people thought it was going to look, but God always says yes, without exception. God honors the desires of our hearts when we long to be a part of God's story. And so let me tell you something. God wants you to be a part of that story. And I don't say that heavy-handedly, right? Because it could come across that way, right? And you've, you've heard those kinds of sermons, right? God wants you to and fill in the blank and then you feel bad. Not like that. Instead, it's the anticipation that comes with the embodiment of Jesus, the incarnation coming into the world and saying, God wants you to be a part of this story that anticipates with great anticipation what God has in store for us. I know there was no one around to anticipate the beginning of creation, but I wonder what God was doing the day before the first day. You ever thought about that? What was God doing? If God has always been, and there was what we conceptualize as a first day, even though we're limited by time, it's probably much bigger than we can think about. Do you ever think what God was doing the day before the first day? Was He excited? I mean, was God excited about, I can't wait for tomorrow? Was God excited about, we're going to you know, create 
this world, and there's going to be all of this, this beautiful stuff, you know, beaches and mountains and trees and animals, and then I'm going to create this one person in my image, and then there's going to be two, and then there'll be four, and then there'll be eight, and it's, it's like, you know, cell division. It just keeps on just going and going and going until here we are, right here on this very day. And do you think God was excited about today, way back whenever that was? You ever thought that God may still be excited about what's going to happen with us? I think God probably cannot contain the excitement of what God has in store for us. And since the opening of John and the opening of Genesis sound very similar, I am certain that drawing upon that first day of creation, the gospel of John is the life of Jesus giving us a glimpse of what the new creation is going to look like. This is what the gospel of John does, is that it places the new creation right in front of us, even if it's just a glimpse, and says, this is what it's going to look like. You know what it's going to look like? It's going to look like a bunch of hungry people sitting out in a field who think, where's the next meal coming from? And Jesus walks up and suddenly they're full of bread and fish. That's what the new creation looks like. It looks like a man who has just died and his sisters are in tremendous mourning because they don't know what life is going to look like without Lazarus. And Jesus shows up and now they don't have anything to mourn about. They have nothing more to cry about because Lazarus walks out, takes off, you know, these grave wrappings and wonder what that next day was like. This is a glimpse. It's just a glimpse. But it's a glimpse enough. And I think that this is why the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Revelation, all of this entire canon of John's writing focuses more so than any other group of writing in the New Testament on the big picture of love. Because love is the sacrificial act of anticipating the future with God. Because God is leading us in love to be people of love. That's what the new creation looks like. Jesus in John 15, 9 said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you're looking for a mission, like what are we supposed to do, who are we supposed to be, there you have it. Remain in my love. What are we supposed to do tomorrow as a church? Remain in the love of God. What are we supposed to do a year from now? Same thing. doesn't change. That statement is 2,000 years old. And that's our call. It's our mission. Do some of you remember years ago when we prayed that God would send us 10 households? Y'all remember that? I mean, it's been a while since we've done that. Years ago, we just spent a year praying, God, 
send us 10 households. It's time to pray for that again. Time to pray, God send us 10 households. We prayed that God will send us 10 households. Individuals, couples, families, doesn't matter, just 10 whatever. So we prayed that God would send us 10 households so that we may share life with them. That's what we prayed years ago. And I didn't tell them I was going to say this, but here we go. The Iherobos are still here. Do you all remember that when we were praying that God would send us 10 whatever, that Osasu and Evelyn just showed up one morning on our doorstep? Maybe you remember that. Maybe you don't. There they are, sitting right there. They came while we were praying that prayer. Let's also enter into a season of prayer beginning on this first Sunday of Advent because we have love to give in a world of hate. We have unity to give in a world that is marked by division. We have hope to share in a world that is covered in despair. Great is the faithfulness of God to us and us to God. I heard a line from a worship song during our midday worship when I was at St. John's Abbey in Minnesota earlier this year. And this line, for whatever reason, has stuck with me and I cannot get it out of my soul. Held by your unrelenting grace, let us always cling to your love. I want to tell you about a lady who used to be a part of our church a while back. She now worships with her fiancé and his family at another church. She's living a good life in the grace of God. But she almost took her own life. And she told one of our members earlier last week, after we hadn't heard from her for a while, and just suddenly we have contact again, she told one of our members that bearing saved her life. Way back when, she drove up and down bearing, looking for a church to attend. She said that the one that called to her was right out there, out in front. It happened to be us. So she decided to come in and see what we were like. After meeting different members of the Bering family, we reached out to pray for her, took her to job fairs, offered counseling, and helped her find some much-needed resources. But depression deepened, and she continued to seriously consider taking her own life. But she kept putting one foot in front of the other day after day, and she said it wasn't any one thing. It wasn't just one thing that we can pinpoint. But it was who we were to her as the body of Christ. As she told this to one of our ladies last week. This is what she said. Word for word, direct quote. The kindness of the people at Bering saved my life. Just 
simple kindness. That is one way that we are already being as the body of Christ here at Bering, a part of God's future. Let us not underestimate the work of salvation that is happening in this place. Let us not underestimate the work of salvation that is happening in this place. Thanks be to God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. He was with God in the beginning. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. God saw that the light was good and He separated the light from the darkness. In Him was life and that life was the light of all humanity. God called the light day and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning. The first day, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen.